On today's episode of Talkin' Tom, we're heading into battle with one of Tom's most prolific films to date, the war epic Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan is a 1998 war film directed by Steven Spielberg and is the first of many collaborations between Spielberg and Hanks. My mom always said life was like a box of chocolates. What's up, Hanks Heads? Welcome back to another episode of Talkin' Tom, the Pod Hanks Tomcast, where we watch Pod... Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Where we watch Tom Hanks movies and talk about them. Thank God you were here to save me. To pick up the... Is it Slack? Slack? Yeah. Yeah. I just opened a kombucha. Want to let everyone know. It's the first one I've ever had. Oh. Feeling on top of the world. We'll check in uh, midway through the pod. Yeah, I'm going to take a drink. Oh, it's pretty good. Yeah? That's that. <laughs> good product. Today's brought to you by Kombucha. Oh, I wish. Uh, so, for those of you who are new here, my <laughs> And very sorry. confused. <laughs> my name's Josie. I'm Daniel. We are two former competitive gamblers who lost it all in Vegas recently and had to start the podcast to make up. We're building back up with our podcast. Yeah. It's, it's not really working so battle. far. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we, we are like website renewal in the black. fees. And, yeah. We're in the red, which, which is the one where you're losing money. Yeah. Yeah. I got a I got an email the other day from our website that it's almost time to renew. Yep. But then I was excited because that means it's almost we're out, we're at, we're right at a year. It's crazy. A year of talking Tom. I think next week's episode. I think so. Right before I think our first episode released the week of the, the day before the Thanksgiving. Th- yeah. So that I don't know when crazy. Thanksgiving is, but. It's close. Oh my god! I don't know what day it is? Same. Well, well, I do know when this release is. It's it's the week of, of Veterans Day. This episode comes out two days after, three days after Veterans Day, which is completely coincidental. Yeah. with what we're covering. Yeah, not on purpose. No, we had some stuff come up that delayed this episode a few weeks. It was me. I'll say it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I like checked my calendar today, and I was like, oh. Weirdly, this fall, so... It's crazy. Things work in a funny way. It was almost like I planned it. Hank's works in a funny way. Yeah. It was a Hank's happening. Yeah. How's a... Hank's happenstance. (gasps) Oh, a Hank's happen... That's pretty good. I like that. We can can include it, I approve. (laughs) Okay. Well, I mean, before we get started, we've got a lot, I feel. Well, also, today we're watching the movie uh, Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. (sighs) So enjoy this tone while it lasts. Yeah, because it's all downhill from here. <laughs> um, what have you been up to? Um, I have been nonstop working, as I think you have too. Yeah. On all sorts of film and film-related things. It's been really nice. I just actually finished up about a half hour ago uh, shooting a film for someone and just a lot of film stuff that I guess I can't really talk about because it's not out yet. It won't be out for months and months and months, but mm. it was cool. Does it feel good? It feels really good. I love, it's really nice to be like back involved heavily in creative film content. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Happy What about you? Oh, you know. I mean, lots of stuff I will not talk about, <laughs> but uh, some good things. I made some very good personal moves for myself. Basically, uh, as a friend put it, 
there's a light at the end of the tunnel and it's there because I carved it out. That's pretty good. I, I like took that. control of my own destiny, Daniel. I just imagined you as uh, Indiana Jones when he's trying to break out of the tunnel um, or the the tomb he's been trapped in and he mm-hmm. finds the block with the light it opens it. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. That was my immediate thought of you doing that. Indiana so. Josie. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm on fire today. Wow. <laughs> I wonder uh, how many people just turned off. Though. Yeah. That's, just all right, I'm deleted. Gave it a chance. No, it was worth a shot. This podcast isn't even about Tom Hanks. <laughs> I'm glad that sounds great. I'm, I'm yeah. glad you're making good moves. Thanks. And we're making good moves because this is going to continue. Year one. We'll talk more about year one next time. Yeah. Uh, and so our that means our year anniversary movie will be You've Got Mail. I'm gonna cry. Which is very cool. <laughs> I'm gonna cry. I have been wanting to watch it so bad. I see it on my Hulu every day. <laughs> I d- have not seen that movie since I was maybe 13. Oh, boy. I watched it because I liked a girl. We'll talk more about that next time. Yeah. It was was it deal. not Rachel? No. Before I even knew Rachel, believe it or not. We'll make sure Rachel doesn't hear that episode. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it on the DL. I'm like turning around trying to see if she's here. <laughs> um, okay. I mean, is it time? I think we got to get into we it. we got to bring it down. Okay. I'm nervous to talk about this movie. Yeah, this is uh, loaded on many, many levels. It feels like so many other movies that we've talked about, it's so easy to joke about them or call them on their bullshit or like, I don't know. I feel like I'm, you and I are pretty irreverent. You're, I mean, obviously better than me (laughs) but thank you uh you're welcome it's this movie i don't feel like it allows for that kind of conversation yeah i think this will be a slightly different conversation than usual except for one i have one one major critique of of saving private ryan that i'll I'll save so that people have to listen suckers i think i think uh fundamentally hurts and is borderline against what the rest of the movie is about. Wow. And we'll, we'll get to that. Oh my God. I don't think it breaks the movie, but I'll, we'll get to that. Okay. We'll, we'll start from, yeah. So, so, I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. I think we're both going to just do the same thing. This movie, mm-hmm. for those listeners who haven't recently sat down and watched it or who have never watched it, do them a favor and sum it up. It's pretty simple. This movie is about... Um, takes place in World War II. This movie is about Tom Hanks is the captain of a, a squad in the army during World War II, as I said. I don't know why I'm repeating it. Um, the movie opens in uh, the Battle at Normandy Beach for D-Day, and we follow Tom Hanks and sort of his men as they push uh, into enemy territory. And as they progress through that, um, they learn about a... An, an army soldier named uh, James Ryan, and James Ryan's three brothers have been killed in other battles in the war. And the army wants to pull James Ryan out because he is the last remaining child to the Ryan family. So Tom Hanks, it's Tom Hanks's character. Do you have his character name? Captain Miller. Captain Miller. Captain Miller is tasked with building a small team to go find Private Ryan who they don't know where he's landed. He was a paratrooper, and they missed their mark, and so he is somewhere in France, I believe in France, mm-hmm. and they have to find him, and that's the, kind of the crux of the movie. Yeah. It becomes a rescue mission um, taking place within one of the, like, 
most devastating like wars. <laughs> yeah. In a uh, recent history. Yeah. So I think we can probably start. Well, before we get into the to dealing with the movie, have you ever seen this before? I thought I had. Mm-hmm. I realized I'd only ever seen that first like twenty six minutes. Okay. In a history class in high school. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Or maybe we watched the rest of the movie and then I was texting the whole time. Like, I definitely did not remember anything else. Yeah, I think it's very famous for that opening battle. Um, It used to, the first time I ever saw it, my parents, like, we had had, like a talk before. Really? It was really interesting. I was really young. I must have been probably 11 or 12 or 13. And um, my grandpa served in World War II, my dad's father. And they, I think it was for Veterans Day, there was different channels that would play it unedited on Veterans Day. Yeah. My parents said they wanted me to watch it. My brother wasn't allowed at the time to watch it, but they wanted me to watch it, and they talked me through it, what I was about to see, and why it was important for them to see it, and like about my grandpa, which I thought was really cool. So yeah. it kind of gave me like an emotional, not that you need it, the movie itself works great at making you feel... Yeah. Uh, many, many things. Um, but they kind of gave me that as the crux of like how to take it in, which I thought was a really cool way. Looking back, I think it was the really viable way to, to view the movie for the first time. Yeah, and kind of does you a really great like a service. Yeah, I, I think with my age at the time, they were worried that I would take it in as strictly... Uh, I mean, it is, this is technically a fiction, but in a real historical fiction to a degree. Um, but they wanted me to take it in not so much as a movie, but as like slightly cinematic history. They wanted me to take it in for real and not think of it as like, oh, this is a cool action scene. They wanted me to understand why this was happening. Yeah. That I think was really cool. I thought it was looking, I vividly remember that because of that conversation. That's really interesting. Um, Do you think you'll do the same if you ever have kids? Yeah, I think think there's, I have a, a, there's a few movies I feel like that require that Mm because I think you could, if, I don't know. I I think you could watch this with the wrong mindset and come across with a with a different message that is maybe uh, negative um, in terms of how you view not the movie as a whole, but like if you take it in and and you think, wow, this is cool, type of thing. Like mm-hmm. this action scene is so cool is probably a dangerous way to watch it. In yeah, my opinion, and I don't think the filmmaker set out to do that. Spielberg. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, and I've revisited over the years, and it was always like a choice of, I usually showing people who had never seen it. We would be like, "Let's watch. Like, you should see this. It's, I think it's important to see." Type of thing. Yeah. Um, that's usually been my my revisit thing. Yeah. It's been a while. Well, I have been trying to watch this movie for the last two, three weeks. Mm-hmm. I watch it in like thirty minute snippets. Um, I feel pretty awful yeah. while I'm doing it. I mean, I remember there was one day where my roommate and I were both watching it and we were sitting there. It was like broad daylight. It was like 10 in the morning or something. It was just like we were sitting there with our jaws dropping because we could remember and pull little bits and pieces like the the very specifically gruesome moments. Mm -hmm. Those like never leave. But then it's like, I mean, this movie is just like unrelenting. Like it doesn't stop. So I had to force myself to stop, and thank God I had that choice. I'm not a yep. soldier. I'm not somebody participating. Oh my God, I have like so many thoughts. Um, 
but really the it's just that it was like non-stop like this movie does not give you a break and that's got to be intentional i think so and i think it's runtime is intentional mm. i mean you get the opening 30 minutes which is the battle is d-day mm-hmm. and it is start to finish non-stop terror horror um it's gruesome bloody violent and I think you feel nothing but dread mm-hmm. because it just looks and feels completely hopeless. Yeah. Um, and you start to bond. I think there's a really interesting thing that happens in, in the film. Uh, you start to bond with characters. They try and give you little moments to bond and you lose a ton of them very fast at the oh beginning. My God, there's yeah. people that I think you think they have like a line or there's like a moment that they're sort of focused on where you're like, okay, there's, he's going to be in the main cast. He's going to be in the main cast and gone, 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 gone. Um, it's, and it's weird to take just a step back from that sort of stuff. It's, it's strange to watch the movie and see how many like big stars were mm-hmm. in it that I, were not big at the time, like sort of came and have now become big. Like mm-hmm. Vin Diesel, Paul Giamatti, um, Tom Hanks. Is that it? Oh, yeah, is? I know. Uh, pretty big. Adam Goldberg. Like people who are still doing great work. Yeah. It's kind of a insane cast. Um, yeah, I did a few double takes. What's the name? I can't now. I can't remember his name. He's super famous. He's in the Good Place. Oh, uh, Ted Danson. Yeah, he's in yeah. it. I had forgotten about Ted Danson. He just kind of it's was the there. bad place. In yeah, this regard. <laughs> yeah, damn. When they they sort of I don't I was not I'm not old enough to remember how the marketing played out for this when it came out in '98, but and. I have to. I'll have to look it up. I don't remember if Matt Damon was it was super famous yet. If Goodwill Hunting had come out, he ha- well, I don't know actually. I read that he'd been introduced to Spielberg by Robin Williams while they were filming Goodwill. Oh, okay, Hunting. so it must have been right after. So there probably was, was some notoriety to Matt Damon, but yeah. he. I wonder if he was in the advertising. Like he was. Yeah. Because he's sort of a third act. He's sort of a third chunk of the movie reveal. Hmm. Um. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy, and it's in a rewatch. It sort of adds a little bit to it because these are people you now recognize, and it almost puts more into perspective of like these are quote unquote friends, and like these are people that you we don't know them in real life, but we know these people, so to speak, and now we're right. watching them deal with these. They've all got yeah. such specific stories, and they all have like, and some of their their deaths aren't even. You like you expect these big monumental death scenes, and you get it for a few characters. Mm-hmm. But some of them, it's just it just happens, and we're forced to move on in the same way yep. that the rest of that squad is supposed no to. No closure. It just presses on. Just move on. Get through it. And it's it's strange because you'll sometimes cut to like I think of um, obviously spoilers if you haven't seen the movie. Yeah. Uh, like Vin Diesel is I believe the fir- once they once they branched off to go find Ryan, um, Vin Diesel's the first character to be killed. And the scene of his, because he, he's shot and left sort of in the middle of this this town square, and he's shot trying to save, he's disobeyed an order, but he's trying to save a child because he wants to save the child as a, as a human. Um, and we spend a lot of time as the scene where he's trying to like get himself together and he has like a note for his family and he's in the middle of the road and there's a sniper that's, you know, waiting on him, like using him as bait to try and find his other, uh, other army members. And it's super long. You feel every second of it. And then as he is killed, we, the next scene we move into, I believe is, is the next scene. Are we in the church? I think we cut to that. Yeah. 
And it's sort of they then play in like a little bit of humor because that's just sort of what they have to do. Yeah. Like it's just that's that. You have to keep going. Yeah. Um, I mean, oh my God. It's kind of, you follow D-Day into that and then that's sort of the reminder of like, this is this is what you're in for for the next two hours type of thing. Yeah. I will say, and I think we should spend, maybe not right now, but in a minute or two, we should kind of unpack that opening scene um, just because it's it's the one that everybody always talks about. Yeah. And um, I ha- knew a little bit about D-Day and I knew a little bit about like Omaha Beach and that I knew, but I, I looked up a lot of it to help mm-hmm. me better understand this. And for those of you who are young like me or didn't pay attention in the history class, oh, uh, really quickly, brief update, Daniel finished his kombucha. Yeah, sorry. How was it? It was good. I was trying to like screw it in without making noise, but it looked like I was presenting my empty <laughs> bottle. <laughs> Look, I finished. Um, <sighs> yeah, see, this is how I'm going to handle this series. I just need a moment. <laughs> I just can't. I can't do it. Um, a particularly dire day. D-Day doesn't stand for Doomsday. It doesn't stand for Death Day. That was just apparently a phrase that they used. Um, Like D minus four days was like four days until a big day. And D plus four days was four days after a big day. So there were multiple D-Days in World War II, but this is the one that actually has the actual term. Mm -hmm. That's like named to it. But it was uh, June 6, 1944. It was when um, the Allies invaded the German-occupied France, beaches of Normandy, and Omaha Beach was the most brutal of all of those beaches. It was like 50 miles or something, something like that. Is it considered sort of the turning point as America? We'd entered the war, but this was sort of where we, Mm -hmm. like, the war started to take a change. Yeah, and this specific invasion had taken so much preparation and so many things were going into making it happen that if they'd already postponed it by 24 hours because of the weather or something like that, but if they'd pushed it even one more day, it, the whole thing would have gone to shit because they were timing like the tides of the ocean and like the lunar cycles. And like, so the weather was awful as we saw in the, the opening scene. And it was like as brutal, probably even more so than what we saw. Actually, I don't know. I mean, that's the craziest thing is, is I, it, it had to have been worse and I can't even like visualize how that goes down. Yeah. There's a lot of like really interesting from like a filmmaking perspective, really interesting techniques Spielberg uses in this. It's like all handheld. It's very shaky and like unnerving in that regard. Like it feels like a documentary, and I think very intentionally so. Yeah, you like feel it's like less you're sweeping. holding the camera. Yeah. Or you're in it. And it's just a lot of shots kind of far away and up close of just people dealing with the carnage. Um in ways they don't understand either. There's so much shock to it. Yeah. Like we get a lot of close-ups, people on the boats, just trying to figure out what's about to happen to them. And you hear, you hear the gunfire that's coming and mortars are going off. And, but we spend the first chunk all in that boat and you just hear what's to come to like lead up to it. And then as things immediately go to hell and we jump off with, um, with Captain Miller into the water and then we're underwater and like we sort of the way I really like the way sound is used in the movie because then mm-hmm. underwater we have like that a very distorted um, soundscape but we're seeing bullets whiz by people drowning people getting shot through the water mm-hmm. um, just immediately establishes this idea that safety is is completely gone yeah 
Also, the idea of like weirdly, it strips the idea of hope because at no point during that battle do I ever feel like we stand a chance no. with our characters. They even ignore. There's a one point where that one private is asking him like. So what do we do? Yeah. Like, where's the rallying point? And he's like, literally anywhere but right here yeah. is the rally. Like, they have the the, and I don't know how accurate this is. I think there is some some of this isn't historically accurate. I think there were more troops that had secured the beach by the time this specific company, the Charlie Company, had mm-hmm. gotten there. But I, that don't quote me on that. Um, I mean, they definitely were like woefully unprepared. And they did not have the artillery and the ammo that they needed to take over, but they had to keep going. Yeah. I mean, what's the other choice? I mean, how overwhelming is that? The thought, it's just like, I can't even comprehend that sense of just like dread, like you said, and hopelessness. It's, and knowing that you've either just got to push forward and do what you've set out to do or or give up and both could end in the same. Yeah. And I think they established that, that there is no, even giving up duh, is the same fate. Like, I mean, it sort of embodies the idea of like this heroic ideal of what the soldiers went through. Um, there's a great, there's a moment where um, I think a mortar goes off near Captain Miller and then we get a super distorted, like um, a super distorted high pitched sound that sort of rings in his ears and everything jumps to slow motion. And we just kind of watch what he's watching as just the shock of it hits him. And we, it's genius in casting Tom Hanks because at this point we have a super, I mean, that we do obviously, but Mm -hmm. uh, I think audience have a, we're really familiar with Hanks. And so there's sort of the idea of who he represents as a leading man in a movie. Yeah. And so you're immediately watching our leading man uh, be at a, a low point where yeah. he's just completely overwhelmed by what to do. He's just sitting still watching the carnage unfold, not sure what he's going to do. Um, very quickly establishes, like, even the person that we're behind this entire time, like, he's yeah. in the same space as everyone else. That was something I kept coming back to while I was watching this movie was that the soldiers and the people that are fighting we're and I think even now we're we're taught to kind of not and not in a for not I don't know how to say this rightfully so we're taught to admire these men and women as heroes and people to admire because they have bravery and they have courage and they have strength but they're just people yeah who and they're really young, most of them. Boys, specifically in, in this war and mm. in Vietnam and um, all the others, they're just young kids. Or they're people like Captain Miller, who is a school teacher, and yeah. now he's in charge of an entire company. They're just people. And, and the movie never... It takes a long time for us to learn a lot about the characters, and it never... You go in... The film assumes you know enough about what World War II is about. Mm-hmm. There's never a moment of explaining, here's what's happening, here's what we're doing, type of things. Here's why we're fighting, yeah. It's just sort of, we're in this, we're in it fast, um, and you have to just keep up. And I think that's probably a way a lot of the soldiers fighting felt. Uh, yeah. Um, I, okay. So... That other scene that you just mentioned, the one where Vin Diesel, who plays Private Carpazzo, Carpazzo, something like that, um, that scene is very harrowing to me. I 
that's the one that I remember seeing in like while I was flipping channels growing mm-hmm. up. And I've never, I've never really been able to understand why that family, who that family is. Are they, are they? Oh, they're French. French. Okay. Why are they there? I think from my understanding, uh, in terms of just other reading I've done, um, Nazi occupied France and most occupied countries of like that still continued on with, I mean, obviously, um, uh, minorities were gathered and uh, Jewish were gathered and moved out. But a lot of the people who lived there just had to continue living life as is. Yeah. And so my assumption would be that that town had become a battle point between the allies and the Axis and the people that were there were just living life to the best of their ability uh, in occupied France and the battle happened and they're just, where else do they go type of thing. Yeah. Was how I understood it. Yeah. They never, when a lot of the people are speaking in different languages other than English, they don't subtitle them. I like that. I think that's supposed to be, because we have one character who speaks um, French and German. Yeah. Corporal Upham. Upham. And no one else does. So we, we get what he translates to other characters, but everything else is, is um, if we don't know it, we don't get to know it, which mm-hmm. I think is kind of a cool choice. Uh, yeah. Same with the Americans. The other Americans don't know. Uh, how to speak the languages, and so they don't know unless the other um, soldier can tell them. So we're sort of in the same boat as they are if we don't speak the language. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. It achieves <laughs> the intended effect is achieved. Um. Before we move on, the other thing I was thinking right before that scene, um, when we first learned about the mission for for Ryan, yes. or even I'm sorry, even right before that, when as D Day comes to a conclusion. And we've they've pushed up the beach and they've sort of succeeded and we've kind of met our main players in the in the movie. They're in those um, trenches. Is that yeah. yeah yeah? We get a lot of moments that I think are really important to stuff I'll talk about later of seeing sort of the American cruelty that I think is very important because there's I think the movie does have an American bias. Um, yeah, and that's I think fair. It's it's about American soldiers, mm-hmm. um, but there's moments where like they take a bunch of uh, German prisoners and uh many soldiers shoot the prisoners and they're beating up the prisoners and it's sort of very quickly establishes that this is not all like these are heroes but they're also people that are being broken by this war type of thing mm-hmm. um and that's just to bring that up now because i'll get back to it, it later hit it later more, yeah i think yeah. it comes back into the story that's important i would say one specific instance of that which like I also am like a sadist and I rewatched that opening scene again, like before I came here. Mm. I don't, I don't know why I did that. I just felt like I just, I wanted to, whatever. I'm, I, who knows? <laughs> um, they, they, that fort that they take over and they shoot the fire into it. Yeah. Oh my God. And you think it would be like an act of mercy. These people are on fire to, you know, put them out of their misery. But they, their one soldier specifically says like, let them burn. Yeah. God. And those are going back to like my parents talking about with me with this movie because I feel like if if this was an action if this was an 80s action movie and our hero set a bunch of Nazis on fire and they jumped out of a thing and they were like let them burn it would be the implication that we're supposed to cheer with them. Yeah, there'd be a big swell in the yeah. music. And on my assumption is Spielberg is not doing that, but mm-hmm. uh I think that is like sort of the interesting thing when you get different people watching this movie because I think you could take it that way. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the intention, but I think no. you could as like very much like, yes, like we are 
we are winning, we are in charge of this, and the bad guys are are suffering for it type of thing. Yeah. Well, and I think we'll probably touch on this too. No, we'll get to it. I'll, okay. Um, next steps. Let's talk about the individual people that are on the actual like squad, the okay. the team that saves Private Ryan, or their mission is to save him. Okay. Led by uh, Tom Hanks, plays Captain Miller. We already know him. Our uh, not so fearless leader, but he acts as if he's pretty fearless. Yeah, he's got that tick. He's got that thing with his hand. He's got sort of a, a shake. Yeah, I think it's sort of like a shell shock type of. Mm-hmm. It's like a little tremor. Yeah, um, and we don't know much about him until the sa- in the same way the <laughs> the rest of the soldiers don't know much about him yeah. until later. He's this kind of like mystery, and he's their boss. And I think that's why he keeps the mystery. Yeah, we learn later in the movie that he's, as you said, a school teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, was a school teacher, uh, and I think he holds that because that's a. I think he says something like that's a profession. Like, why would you think that person could lead an army into this type of war? Yeah. So I think he keeps it secret to have this mystique to him that then he's just this respected person doing this job. This job is separate from the personal life because in his mind he just he's doing this because he wants to go back to his wife and his life. Mm-hmm. And so to him, this is a separate self. He's like almost split himself mentally. This is the job that has to be done to get back to what he wants to be back at, which is like very dark. And Well, and I think it's got to be the only way that a soldier could even do that. That's the point of um, basic training, right? Is to teach a human how to split that way. Yeah. I would think. I mean, I have some complicated thoughts on that Mm -hmm. that are probably not uh, worthy of discussing. Um, uh, next we have Tom Sizemore who plays Sergeant Horvath, Mm -hmm. um, who was notoriously going through, um, recovering from drug addiction while filming this movie. Oh, really? Did you hear that? No. I, uh, I miss, it doesn't really have anything to do with the story, but apparently Spielberg told him that he, he was testing him every day, like testing his urine for drugs. Yeah. And he told him that if, if, the test came back positive for anything on any day, he would shoot the entire movie over with his character, like as a new person, even if it was the last day of filming. So, um, I mean, kind of incredible to know what a person in recovery like that, to put on a performance that Sergeant Horvath or Tom Sizemore did. Well, to have an accountability like that is, is interesting. I mean, there's also like, I kind of want to call bullshit on that. Yeah. But I like the implication (laughs) of like, I care about you and I think you're, I've chosen you with purpose and I think you're right for this. And yeah, if this is the way that it gets it done, then that's the way it's going to be. Yeah. Um, so Sergeant Horvath is like the second in command. Yeah. I don't the, really, the battle of is, the D-Day battle is so insane that we sort of lose a lot of people that are in different levels of command and no one's really sure who's in command. So, but yeah, I think he's, he's second to, to Captain Miller. Yeah. And, uh, and then there's Edward Burns, total babe i mean like <laughs> thank it was nice a moment of reprieve <laughs> your, your one um also incredibly talented performer he plays private reben reben um who i i had trouble kind of understanding what his character i mean he's kind of comedic relief at some points he was was he he was the brooklyn yeah okay the one who almost left yeah after um that 
whatever that was, that middle battle. He, I sort of took him as like the very like epitome of like the everyman. Yeah. He's kind of, we don't know a lot about him, but he's, he's from Brooklyn, New York. He's very proud of where he's from. Um, and he has like a very specific set of morals to him that he tries to follow to a point that he almost uh, leaves his team because he doesn't believe what they're doing is mm-hmm. to his standards. And they're questionable at best. Um, but they're his, and he's very like steadfast in those beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, he also comes in very, uh, like he sh- he kind of steps up uh, later in the movie in a really big way. Yeah. Um, next is Barry Peppa, who plays Private Jackson, who is the um, the sh- the sniper guy. Yes. The one who's constantly kissing his cross. Yeah. And. We don't we don't learn a ton about his backstory, but we can say he's he seems to be very religious. He has a also a strict like set of morals to him. Yeah. He's the sharpshooter. Um, yeah. He very interesting to me because he stays so calm, and and he's using his faith as a way to achieve that. Yeah. Which I can imagine would be so extraordinary in something like war. Um, you kind of trust that he's always going to be able to do what he sets out mm-hmm. to do, which is why his death is, even though it's so quick and he knows it's coming and you know it's coming, it's like, that was one where I think I audibly was like, oh God, because I didn't it, want him to die. Yeah, he does get, his death is interesting because having seen how he approaches faith, there's like sort of a... He gets like this brief, there's a brief moment of silence before things go down for him. And like in that moment, you almost believe like he finds his peace. Mm-hmm. I hope. I think maybe we don't read that because I'm sure it's nothing but terror. But for like a moment, you're almost like at least like he had his thing and he stuck to it till the end. And yeah. Oof. Um, Adam Goldberg plays Private Melson. I believe you that that's the name. I, I can't read my own names. handwriting. Um, he is very Italian. Yeah, and Jewish. And Jewish. Which they don't focus a ton in, but he does have some moments where, like after they, in Normandy, once they, they've taken the beach, he keeps flashing his um, Star of David at, at um, Nazi prisoners. Mm-hmm. And he he's the one, one of the first people we see of like our group of people that we're following who breaks down yeah um in the trenches they all have their moments like that um his is pretty notable though cuz it's one of the first yeah i i think that was a smart play cuz it it immediately breaks down the sort of macho man stereotype that could be again going back to like an action movie type of thing mm-hmm. that shows you like there's going to be emotion in this and like these men who have to put on this like very tough facade are going to like break down and crumble mm-hmm. as as would happen. Um, two more Giovanni Rabisi. Oh no, I have a. We were talking about Vin Diesel. We're talking about Vin Diesel, yeah. Okay, uh, Giovanni Rabisi plays uh, the medic Wade. Yes, love him. He's great. He's um. I mean, I. Oh. The, and also, the position of a medic in in a war zone like this seems so hopeless. How could he ever expect to be able to do his job? Yeah. Uh, no surprise. That's tough. Um, 
anyway, loved him. Probably one of my favorites. And then Jeremy Davis, who was like deaf, my fave. Um, Corporal Upham, who is the translator. Yes. The young, very young, kind of thrown into a situation that he is not prepared for. Yeah, he's um, he does works with maps and translates. Mm-hmm. And when he is recruited because they need a translator, he says, "I haven't fired my gun since basic," mm. type of thing. So he's he's. He's sort of our surrogate because he's how we are. Yeah. Type of thing. Thrown into just like some of the most harrowing situations. That So remind me that there's like, a, I see big, three big fight scenes, three mm-hmm. big battles. Obviously the beaches. Yeah. That's the big one. The middle halfway point is they're on their way to Rumel to find Private Ryan. Yeah. Um, but they know that there's somebody at a station some German, I think they're Germans, yes. right? Um, and they know that if they don't take these guys out, they're just going to get the next troop of people that come through. Yep. So Tom Hanks' character, Captain Miller, makes the call against the wishes of most of his team to go through. And they lose a bunch of their team in that. Um, and there's this very specific moment where that's where Wade dies, the medic. Yes. And they do kind of like a mercy... Um, kill basically with him where they yeah. overdose him on morphine. He's trying to walk them through how to save them and he realizes that it's sort of hopeless and so he requests morphine and they have a limited supply of morphine and they sort of just give it all to him. Yeah. That one was really hard. That was the one I like watched last night and I was yeah. like, oh, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. Um, but a big moment in that scene or in that like portion of the movie is uh, the last remaining German soldier, the one who they're attributing to be the one that like shot the shot that killed Wade. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how they would know that. I think he's just the last person alive and they want to put the blame on him. Yeah. From my understanding. So they beat him up. They make him dig a bunch of graves. They make him dig his own grave. Yeah. It's And it's it's complicated because Upham, the translator, feels so so like a sense of like, it's against the rules to kill someone after they've surrendered. Yeah. Because this soldier is, he can communicate with him. I'm talking so much, sorry. No, he, he seems to be like, because we don't know what Upham's seen of the war yet. I mean, he was at, he was at Normandy, but like, we don't know how he was, he wasn't in storming the beach. He was just brought in. Um, so he still sort of sees the humanity in people mm-hmm. and looks for that in this German soldier in a way that the others have gone far beyond. They want him dead. And he can, he can like actually have dialogue with him. Yeah, and he that can, just must make it worse because you know you hear his pleas and bargains and yeah, he sings the national anthem, but he yeah. he can't he doesn't know all the words. That was hard to watch. Try, yeah, it's sort of a brief moment of trying to understand like, I mean, a country under a a dictator forced into this like, I. You want to believe not everyone was, um, not On everyone was this side. evil monster, but that uh, they can't just say no to things. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, in our mind, I think I would be like, well, I would say no. There's no way I would do that. But when you're forced to probably with threats of death, like, where, what do you turn to? I yeah. feel like that's sort of what that character brings up. Well, and in that time, I feel like being part of the war was such. It was just like, it, it was your duty. Yeah. And if you didn't go out and if you didn't volunteer, was there a draft for World War II? Yes. 
um, you, you were seen as a coward mm-hmm. and I'm sure it was the same in all the other countries. I mean, it was just like, this was literally a thing that was happening across the entire world. Yeah. I don't know. I would, I, I would actually like to read more into like, um, uh, German history in that time of how that worked for soldiers that were brought in and recruited or drafted or forced. Mm-hmm. Um, long story short, instead of killing the German soldier, Captain Miller decides to let him go as a prisoner of war. Yeah. Tells him to walk a hundred paces or whatever and surrender to the next, um, like, yeah. Cause they don't want to, they can't take him with him. They're on a mission. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where we learn about Captain Miller's past. He sort of uses that as the way to humanize himself and sort of hopefully allow them to understand where he's coming from because to them, they want to kill this person and Captain Miller's trying to mediate the idea of, like, we can't do this, even though I'm sure he wants to also. Yeah. Um, this, yeah. this specific group of men have been put on a mission. I think there's eight of them, something like that. Yeah. Are put on a mission to save one man and remove him from the war. Yeah, that's kind of a central theme of the movie, is sort of how many lives are worth it for one life type of thing. Yeah. Um, we learn about it with that, that one uh, plane, the, like, the yeah. general with the steel plates. They realized... They lost 22 men protecting one person type of thing. Yeah. It, prints a, it presents a really interesting moral question of like what makes one life more important than the other. Yeah. Um, and they think of it in terms of themselves and this American they're trying to save on their side. And so they can't think about other people on the other side trying to fight it. It kind of presents an interesting ambiguity to things. Um, and a question like, I don't know how I would answer to that. If I was asked to risk, you know, these eight friends for one person I have no attachment to. Captain Miller says that where he's like, um, he's like, Brian means nothing to me. This is the mission. Yeah, this is how I get closer to my wife. Yeah. It's too bad we don't ever get to see his wife. I don't think I could have handled that. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it would have been played by Rita Wilson. <laughs> just like, just devastating. Yeah. Um, and we could even, we could take the time to mention that we, we rarely, we see a few shots back in the States and the one little moment we see is the women working on typewriters who have to, typewriters? Off subject. Um, the women working in the centers who are drafting the letters and learning about who's passed away mm-hmm. and the connection that three of the Ryan brothers have died and we get to watch... Them all pieced together. Yeah. And then we watch mom get... Watch... There's a really great shot of the, the car driving up to the house and she knows, mm-hmm. which I can't even imagine. And uh, we don't hear what they say, but we just sort of watch through a, a door framed doorway as she sort of collapses and they come to her. Well, it's kind of something I noticed throughout the whole movie was a lot of it was so visual and it didn't have any audio. Yeah. I mean, it had music and stuff, but... But even music was fairly limited. It was very much... It's very much a visual... That opening scene where the the soldiers are vomiting and shoving tobacco into their mouths, it's like you can tell so much just by what they're doing rather than what they're saying... Yeah, I think in that regard, it's it's like expert filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Like this is a, you learn everything you need without it being spoken. Yeah. Because if you took, we get moments to like spend with characters where we're told things or we have little stories, metaphors that are tied in. But those are basically just used to have like a brief calm before we're thrust back into the devastation. Yeah. 
Uh, one one thing I I did really enjoy. There's that after they found they found Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. They've told him we're here to we're here to save you, and he is not into it. Yeah, he is like fuck that. I've already lost my other brothers. I'm not leaving my new brothers. And it's this like you can feel the disappointment of the remaining team members who are like, oh my god, like we did all this, we lost men because of you, and now you're saying you're like that you don't care about those men and those lives. Yeah. Um. So they all decide to f- to stay and protect uh, the bridge in Ramel. Yeah, and even um, yeah, they we basically you had mentioned before about that plane that went down with twenty two. We, we we go to another American camp, and they're still looking for Ryan, trying to find him because he was lost. And they end up finding him by asking some of the other soldiers, and one of them happens to remember him. Um, but then we get to Ramel, and that scene you're talking about is pretty crazy because it's Matt Damon having to go through fourteen different emotions. As he meets, Americans come, they think it's reinforcements, there's like this bit of hope, mm-hmm. and then... That reinforcements they've like desperately needed. Yeah. It's like the one remaining bridge that they it, have control. To clarify, what's happening at Ramel is, I think they said there's one or two bridges that are being held to try and get American um, tanks and vehicles across into France. Mm-hmm. But they're being... American soldiers are holding those positions because if the Germans arrive, they're going to have to blow the bridges because they can't let the Germans get across. So mm-hmm. it's sort of this very important choke point. And um, that's where we find Ryan. Um, so Ryan learns about his brothers and has to go through that and then learns that they want to take him away. And he is questioning why he deserves to be taken away. Mm-hmm. And he's like, all of these people have fought as hard as I have, if not harder. Why am I? have I been chosen? The same question that our guys are asking it's sort of, yeah it's sort of a reverse of the other question of this why type of thing yeah. it's a lot of whys mm-hmm. that which seems to be like uh, another war thesis like the why why is so much it's a big question um so yeah they basically convince we've come this far we can go back but if we're here we should protect ryan and maybe we can Make it out of this. Yeah, thing. there's sort of an understanding that sort of happens. I mean, obviously not right away. Like, these people hate this man. There's a really cool behind the scenes fact about this when they were doing, a lot of the actors went through basic training and, like, learned the ins and outs of the army to prepare for this. Okay. And Spielberg had Matt Damon do it alone. Oh. So he did not meet any of his co stars until the first day on set together. Wow. So that all of his co stars had formed a friendship and working together and doing all this very intense training and they did not know anything Matt Damon had done. So when they met him, there was already this... Built in tension. Yeah, we don't know him and like we've all been through this stuff together as to just kind of layer on the... Oh my God. Which I thought was really cool. I forget that. I mean, I don't... I don't know. Forget's the wrong word. Like, a director has that kind of control. Mm-hmm. It's very... What has to... It adds to performance, I think. Yeah. You get a different... It puts, I am, it's got to be great for an actor because it's going to put a character trait just ingrained in your brain. So when, um, they're all preparing for the Germans to come. They're trying to set this trap. They're like, the only way we can, we can get them is if they come in through the city where we have like points where we can set people and traps and lay and things like that. 
Their plan is they want Germans to bring their big tanks into the middle of the city and they're going to disable the tanks and basically create a blockade they can't get by. Mm Because they'll destroy the tanks in a way that they can't be moved. Yeah. Um, So there's this this moment, uh, more than a few moments, it's like the calm before the storm. So they all know this awful thing is that they know that they're about to go into a battle. I can't imagine that feeling. Um, And, but they're... It's not happening right now, so they're just enjoying it. They're listening to um, Edith Piaf. Edith Piaf, yeah, I was like, couldn't think of what her name was. Um, there, there's five of them are sitting on that stoop, and it's mm. this wide shot where all of them, and it doesn't break. It's just it's them sitting. I think um, Edward Burns is telling that story about the woman with the huge breasts yeah. and how he thinks about that every time he's with scared. His brother, yeah, <laughs> it's like huh? it's just sort of like last little human moments with. The, the team but it doesn't there's no close-up of the person talking yeah. it's just so you see like you see jeremy davis C- corporal up i'm like getting nervous and kind of like looking away because the thought of like boobs is freaking him yeah. out and, like it, it, there's just something so human about the that performance what it would take for all of them to be so in sync and how in tune they had to be with their characters when it, and i think that shot's great because it's important that not any one person is more important than the others. Yeah. And so they don't they all get an equal frame. And yeah. it's just sort of about them bonding in these last moments that they don't know is their last moments for a lot of them. Yeah. Or maybe they do, and this is just how they're coping. Coping. Hmm. Um so then the the big battle happens. Oh and before that, I, oh, sorry. Well, <laughs> I I always just think there's this line Tom Hanks gives where he's talking to um Private Ryan. Mm. And they're sharing little memories, and uh, Ryan shares a story that's a really funny story that kind of gets to to um, Captain Miller. The last night that he spent with all four of his brothers before yeah. they were shipped off to basic. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, that was the one about the his brothers trying to sleep with someone. Yeah. Um, but there's a story. I think he asked uh, Captain Miller about a story, like share a story with me about something, and. Um, Captain Miller looks away and he goes, no, that one, that one's for me. I think it's about his wife. Yeah. And it's just like that really, and I I don't remember it, but that moment was the moment where I suddenly realized again, I was like, oh yeah, we lose, we lose Captain Miller. And this is sort of this last moment where he's just thinking about his wife again. Yeah. And it really hit me this time. And I think it's kind of beautiful and really understated. And I really like that. I had no fucking idea that he died. I'm go- I didn't want to, yeah. I thought in the beginning of the movie <laughs> that that was him. And I, the whole time I was like, I don't have to worry about it. Like, yeah. I saw he got shot and I was like, that's cool that he recovers. Like, I literally watched him get shot in the heart. And I was like, that's great that he's going to recover. The, they sort of start on the, the older the man's eyes. eyes. And then we get a shot of, of Tom Hanks. It's about the same. But they cut away. So it's just enough, like, plausibility, yeah. deniability. Oh, that... <laughs> it was just like huh. um, smart, but also yeah. Then we get in the battle. Got me Spielberg. The battle is bonkers. Nothing's working as intended. First, they don't take the bait. Then they take it, and their bombs aren't effective at first. And then they make it work, and then slowly it just turns against them. If the numbers are not in their favor. We have. Um, I forgot his name. We have our the sharpshooter who's in a, a, a key position in a in a a tower. He's Private Jackson. Destroy yeah. the, the tank destroys his tower. One of the hardest parts. I always think of this 
a lot of it's hard to watch, but there's two moments. The medic dying is very mm-hmm. hard. The other hard part I, I used to have nightmares about as a teen really? is the... So Upham, again, he's never shot a gun. He's never killed anyone. He's trying to be helpful. Ever, no one likes him. Yeah, uh, they all think he's like fucking yeah. stupid. But at this point, they're sort of... I mean, they're trying... You know, it's a the struggle to bond. Um, but he... There is a battle... So. Private Mellish and another soldier are in in this building with a, a machine gun, with like a sort of a mounted turret gun, and um, they get attacked. And one the other soldier is hit and is dying, and a German comes up and he's they're having a fist fight. Um, Private Mellish and they're having a fist fight, and it turns into a knife fight and it's very ugly and it's so slow and painstaking because downstairs we know that Upham is supposed to come back and he can hear them struggling, but he is so shocked and just can't compute anything that's happening that he just freezes. Mm -hmm. And so we watch him knowing he could go do something and he can't. And you have to play that scene because in your mind, you sort of think of him as like, why would you not do something? Mm. But you, they also make you understand that he's just so out of his element and at a complete loss. Yeah. Um, so we watch uh, Private Mellish is killed in a very brutal way. Oh my God, yeah. And that, that was the That's thing like that gave me nightmares. That's like in your face. Yeah. It is like... He's stabbed very slowly and it is... We just watched through his eyes him. Yeah. And the German shoulder's like shushing him and it is it is like horrifying. He feels too. bad about it. It's like no nobody could feel good about doing that. It's fucking horrific. And, it's, and then you, it's sort of... Um, it continues on because then the German soldier leaves after killing him and uh, Upham is on the stairs leading up to the thing and just mm. sort of sunk down and just motionless. And the German soldier just walks by him because I think, I can't tell if it's pity or just an understanding of yeah, we've both just what is happening. Yeah, we've both been through a thing. Let's never um, speak of it. Uh, so the battle continues. We lose more and more people. Um, Upham still has not fought... Uh, we end up falling back to the bridge. We lose, um, uh, we lose Sergeant Horvath. He gets shot. Yeah. Running. Um, saving, he tries to save, he's trying to like help, I think he's trying to help save someone. He gets shot a few times. He saves Private Ryan, doesn't he? I believe so. He helps someone get across the bridge. at one point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to try and like word it all out. It, it is, it just is constantly turning and shifting, uh, who has a chance in this battle. So they get to the other side of the bridge, which is rigged to explode. Um, and the person trying to pull the explosion is killed. And it's everything's looking awful. And finally, Captain Miller, Tom Hanks, steps out to try and grab the explosive detonator. And he's shot. And the shot, there's a, the, the shot where he's shot, not the best way to put it, mm. but is really far. Like you watch the German shoulder who shoots him and he just sort of collapses. Mm-hmm. And then he gets back up. And sort of slides against a car. And, I mean, at this point, it is, like, hope is lost. Like, we're watching. The tank is now on is on the bridge. Captain Miller's too far to grab the remote detonator. The tank's approaching, and he just pulls out his pistol. And then, like, a last-ditch effort is firing, I mean, uselessly. It's a tank and a pistol. Mm-hmm. And, um... Upham is watching the whole thing from afar. Yeah, he's on the other side. He's on the, the German side still. They don't know Somehow notice. he got trapped in that, yeah. Yeah, um... And then the tank explodes, 
And as we like, the camera tilts up and Americans, reinforcements have arrived in planes. Via, yeah, via air. Yeah. So they have an advantage. So the last second the tide turns, they don't blow up the bridge. The tank is, is destroyed. Uh, and the Germans surrender. Part of which they surrender to Upham. And Upham confronts, he takes them prisoner. And in a move that is complete, I think sort of a really dark twist. Because um, he, he fought so hard to get the other German released. No, he... it's the same guy. No, okay, so that is one of the most, years and years I thought that was the same it's guy. It's not the same guy? That is one of the most, uh, I, I read about it online, it's one of the most common mistakes that is not the same person. Oh my God. And I watched the thing, like someone, I think Spielberg was like, no, it's not the same person. Like, what? By accident, they look sort of similar. Wow. Not the same person. Wow. Because for years, I thought that was a framing device. Very I thought it was poetic. Really, I, I didn't like it because I thought it felt really like, Super movie, like, oh, you let him go, he came back, they're all bad, type, or he had no choice. But no, it's just a different person. My fucking mind is blown yeah. right now. I go- If you Google, is the German in Saving Private Ryan the, like, if you start typing that, it comes up as an auto, is the German in Saving Private Ryan the same one? Um, the one that kills Miller? Yeah. Or the one that kills um, Mellish. There's a way oh, I worded- is, are they the same guy, right? Yeah. Is the German soldier in Saving Private Let Go? I'm, I'm literally. <laughs> Not the oh same. God, Different actors? Saving Private. Really? Yeah. They have like the same face. Yeah, I think, I think it was just a, a an accident of they look kind of similar, but not the same person. I hope I blow someone's mind in that because it blew my mind when I discovered that. Just, uh, yeah. While you confirm uh, to finish... Up no, him, see, shoots this, him. this Saving Private Ryan wiki says it's the same guy. It's a different. They're different credited actors, though. Yeah, well, the, I, and if you read, I fucking trust Spielberg more than I trust the Saving Private Ryan. I feel like I got to double check, but I'm wiki. almost 100 percent sure I read. I read on a few things that is not the same. Person. I mean, it totally changes the message either way. Yeah. Wow. I think it's a little too convenient if it is. To be honest, I think I, it's more effective at not being. Yeah. Because then Upham shoots him. Yeah. Yeah, takes him as a prisoner and then kills him. Um. So that's his first time we've seen him fire a weapon on screen and also has, in the brief time we followed him in the war, he's been, he's had his... He's just not been that type of man. Yeah, and he had he did that, what he thought he had to do. So yeah. it, it broke him. Yeah, and, yeah, the war won. Um, and then we move back to Captain Miller. And Captain Miller and Ryan have one more. Well, Captain Miller and um, uh, Rabin... Private Rabin, Edward Burns, yes. have a moment together. And then Private Ryan and Captain Miller have a moment. Um, one thing we forgot to mention is there's been this note that Vin Diesel's character had through the entire movie that was a note to his parents uh-huh. that different soldiers have taken off the, uh, taken from friends. So like Vin Diesel wrote it for his, his parents. Another When Vin Diesel's character died, another character took it and was copying the note over because it was soaked in blood to get to the parents. And after the medic died, Captain Miller took the note and it was in his pocket, so it's continued to different people. See, I thought they all had their own notes, and that's just where they all well, kept their passing. notes. I thought there was going to be like an epilogue, and we were going to see that note like delivered or something. But yeah. they just they keep taking the note from each other. It's sort of a through line to them. But um, in his dying breaths, uh, Captain Miller tells um, Private Ryan, Private Ryan, to earn this. Yeah, he says earn this, which is weighty, very weighty. A lot of pressure to put on someone. 
And then we get the big reveal as as Matt Damon. It actually, in terms of, of um, special effects, it looks really good. Yeah. Uh, though it's become a gif uh, that's often used. But oh, really? Uh, for like like my ten year high school reunion came up, and that was like as soon as that came out, posted that. Oh, funny. But it's um, Matt Damon becoming the older person. Yeah. It's who of, this whole time he realized was not Tom Hanks, but yeah. or not Captain Miller, but Private Ryan. And then uh, the movie ends with this elder. So the, the the book end of the movie is the, this veteran in um, the uh, military cemetery, paying his respects to his squad mates, and he gets to Captain Miller's grave, and he um, asks his wife if he was a good man. Also, one thing I just like wanted to say: I remember reading something at the be- in that opening scene that Spielberg didn't purposely didn't storyboard. That battle on the beach. I think there. I, yeah, I think I read that too. That he he wanted, but like he wanted the chaos. What is a storyboard and? See, so a lot of and it's different for every filmmaker, but a lot of people take and they, before they even begin to shoot a movie, draw out every scene, um, okay. every shot they want to get, so that they can see sort of the completed movie as they see it in their brain uh-huh. on paper. So then when they go and shoot it, they know, here's what I have to get to like make this concise in my mind. Okay. Some people work that way, some people don't. Um, and you sort of use those as like the function of like, here's what's going to get done, here's how I think it's going to look to kind of work with the rest of your crew to make it happen. Uh-huh. Like, here's what we're going to do today, guys. Here, what do we need to do to make this happen? Yeah. And you kind of add stuff on the fly or you lose stuff depending on what you need. Um, so by not storyboarding, it means that they had an idea of what they wanted, but went to set and sort of just had more of a free reign of we're going to get anything that we think looks good. And that was probably to capture the more like real feeling where it felt less planned and more just chaos, 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 chaos. So does that mean that, that those scenes with all those explosions, stuff like that would have been planned out. Like they had a plan. They just didn't make. We're going to get this shot and this shot. In this order. My assumption is they would be like, they're on the beach. We're going to have, this happens, this happens, this happens. They get to the trenches. They have to snipe some people. They're going to put, they're going to shoot fire into this. But the way that they get there was more, probably to let it be, to flow more naturally. It felt less put together and more like okay. a choice, a decision from minute to minute decision, I think. Wow. Yeah, so... This thing has people, it's two, these two different actors, <laughs> and it like shows, I'm showing Joseph this website of these, of the, the two Germans, and uh, that's the two faces, and it like oh. breaks it down to like what they're wearing, what they had at their uniform tunic, like what rank they were, what their hair, and their hairline, and like recognition, and like their wounds, like he had a cut and he didn't. Um, Whoa. It totally changes the whole, the feeling of it. I had seen this like arc for uh, Jeremy Davis's character that I, it changes it. Did I shatter the... Yeah. I mean, I saw it almost, I felt sad. I still feel sad for his character because I, and it's something that I feel just in general about soldiers and about the people that, that go into war. They just, at some point, they're taught not to be humans because they have to. Yeah. But it's such an intentional, horrifying thing that has to be done to somebody to make them capable of the brutalities of war 
that it just like breaks my heart in a, and I, what, I hope I don't sound like I'm being ignorant or like, that's like my biggest fear is like, this is not, I've even been on dates with men who are in the military or who have like served. And I like, I never know how to communicate with people who have done that Yeah. because I'm so afraid of saying the wrong thing because of my ignorance. Like I've lived such a sheltered life that have really experienced like very little pain and very little, like, I don't know. It's just something I think about. And it, yeah, I I think that comes across like we, neither of us have ever been in the military. Mm -hmm. I have family that was, did you have family that was? Yeah, but I don't know much about it. Yeah, I wasn't, I mean, minus my grandparents, um, I wasn't close, super close to family that was in the military. Um, so yeah, if anything in this comes across as ignorant, it is completely on us. And yeah. I, I don't think we're, we're just hoping to, to learn and just talk. Yeah, I think it's, and especially on a week like today with Veterans Day being a few days ago, I think it's important to learn that in any way you can. Um, what and with you, that being said, I think I'll get into, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, yeah, I'm ready. I have one crux to, I think Saving Private Ryan is a, is a, a masterpiece. I think it's a masterwork of exactly what most of it sets out to do of how I view the movie in terms of filmmaking and in terms of just the raw emotion and chaos and violence and horror of that, I think it accomplishes fully and then some. Mm. Where I take issue with the movie is in the storytelling in regards to the bookends. Okay. So as we talked about, the movie's bookend by a, a veteran that we learn is Private Ryan mm-hmm. at a cemetery. At the beginning, he comes to a grave and he has kind of a breakdown. And as he looks at the grave, we flash back and sort of view this, we view the, the movie we've talked about, the war. And then as the movie ends, we learn that he's Private Ryan and he's come to visit his fallen uh, soldiers and friends. Um, for the first time, it seems. Yeah, I can't. T- I think it's the first time he brought his family. Okay, from my understanding. Um, but the the movie when we're in the war, the movie walks this really interesting moral line where it doesn't seem to quite have an answer. Americans do horrible things. Germans do horrible things. It's a lot of people doing horrible things to win because that's all they have to do or all they think they have to do. And we're given both sides of that, which I think is really interesting because we're, I mean, Americans are the heroes in that. I'm not going to argue that that's not the message. It's very pro-American. The movie opens and closes with with the flag waving. Mm -hmm. Very patriotic. But we see Americans killing um, soldiers that are prisoners and we see uh, Germans doing the same, I think. Um, But Starting and ending it with that sort of, t- I don't know, it just breaks. Something feels weird about that because I don't know what Spielberg is saying to us in yeah. that. If you just have the war as it's told without this strange sort of sentimental overtone in th- that I think just changes the pace and the mood as sort of this reveal. I don't know, something about it that really bugs me. It's like schmaltzy, like... yeah. And having it with, am I a good man? Mm. Because I don't know what what we're supposed to take from that question. Because yeah. we've just watched what you had to do. And I don't know. It's, it, it also crosses. Maybe not. I don't even know if insincere is the right word, but it just makes me feel weird. I know what you're saying. 
I felt, well, there's something I take a lot of issue with any kind of language involving like being a good man and being like uh, being a man. Like there's so much in that that is so unfair. Yeah, it's very loaded. And uh, you're asking like his wife. Like, and Am I a good man? Like, have I lived up to the expectation of how you view... And as an audience, like, we don't have any context. Like, mm. what are we supposed to think? We only know something that clearly happened, like, many years yeah, ago. Yeah, we've seen him have in a fight that he didn't choose, but stood up and fought for as, as, a, as a hero for his country. Yeah. Um, so what else... What other conclusion... Why wouldn't we say, like, yeah, of course you're a fucking good man. What? Well, and it, right before that, Tom Hanks' last words to him of, of earn it... Mm. also confuse me in terms of the message because you've probably just ruined this person's yeah. like, mental life. Selfish. Because you, you've, he already knows the circumstances that led you to him. Everyone but one person that's come to him has died. Um, he comes to your grave to pay respects uh, when he's older. Um, so clearly you had an effect on him, obviously. But asking him to earn it, like, what does that say? Because from our, from what we've watched, like, I think we're led to believe he did earn it. Yeah. And so Tom Hanks saying that, or Captain Miller, it's not Tom Hanks, Captain Miller saying right. that. <laughs> we're not incredibly like unfair. It is. Because it's almost like, I told you what I had and I've lost it now and I lost it for you. Almost comes across as how that is portrayed. Yeah, he's saying like, our blood's on your hands. Yeah. That's how I take it. I don't know if that's the intention or not. Yeah. But with that, with the bookends of that, and ending on the flag is also weird. Yeah. And they start with the flag too. Yeah. But it's like this desaturated, yeah. colorless flag. And that's, I can't tell if, if that, that seems like a sweet message. Yeah. There's a few things like that. Some other things I read that people have taken issue with that thinking about it, I do is it's, it's very much tells just an American story. Uh-huh. Like, I know this is sort of a fictionalized account of of a chunk of the war. Yeah. But we we see we don't see any other we don't see any French or British soldiers. Mm-mm. The rest of the Allies are not. Um, I mean, we know they're there. I don't know if they're. I actually don't know if they're spoken about in it. But we know that they are fighting in mm-hmm. the war. But this is very Americans doing American things and winning this war yeah. type of thing. But I think that's kind of strange. I know. It's like, is the message, and maybe this is the wrong question to be asking, but like, is it, is the, is the movie saying like war is good or war is bad? Or is that not even anywhere near the question? That's, it's part of what I don't know. Cause I think if the movie existed, we start, we start on Omaha beach and we end with, I mean, just the battle of, um, with private Ryan, um, and you sort of wrap into that where it's this sort of experience where you just have to sit and like think about mm-hmm. what you've taken in this experience you've lived out with the characters would be more effective because having it end with these things that are very just telling you how to feel, kind of, but then also kind of question, maybe going against things I thought I was taking from the movie. Right. Just really, come, I don't know, that that's the one thing that always bugs me about this. I think if you cut off, you've lobbed off the beginning and end, you have a, a different feeling when you leave. It tries to make you feel like you kind of leave with like a, oh, but yeah. Yeah. And I think that feels wrong. Yeah, it's not how I want to feel. No. And it's truthfully not how I feel. I walked away. I have, I, oh boy, I'm going to fucking step in it. I, um, I disagree with war. 
fucking hot take, whatever. I, I mean, I, I just, the principle of it, I, I understand why it's happened and why it exists. And, and there are, I'm sure, so many things that I am incapable of understanding and I probably sound very ignorant, but it just seems so brutal and pointless. I just, I can't see what it achieves. And I'm, I'm open to hearing other thoughts. So if anyone has any thoughts, uh, please don't take offense with my like one specific viewpoint on this issue. Um, but I, walking away from this movie only reinforced that feeling because, and trying to cover it up. And I feel like those messages, they're put out. It's like, they're heroes. They did all this. They're so brave. Respect them, soldiers. And like, yeah, of course. But nobody should ever have to be in a position where where they have to be that. Does that make sense? I think so, yeah. It's, it's, tough. It's, it's, it's tough to gauge how I'm supposed to feel because there's so many things I've just experienced and you're sort of telling me different things. And I can't tell that that's supposed to be. You're like, yeah, these are all the things they have to think about too. And you're in the same position of like, was I right? Was I wrong? Was I a good man? Did I make the right decision? Am I a hero? Am I a villain? Mm-hmm. It's a it's a, like a it is a hurricane of of questions, and I don't know what ultimately I'm supposed to take away. Except that when you end the movie that way, I can only take it in the one way of of how you present it. Yeah. So it it that has always confused me since I was young. I, that part always confused me. Um, I I remember seeing something, and I think it was a Tom Hanks interview that he did with. Um, maybe like the inside behind inside the actor's studio or mm-hmm. one of those maybe where um, he said he'd always been and I think that I think it was Tom if not it was someone else in the movie who had said like they've always grown up hearing men died for you to have your right to like do anything yeah and it's true I mean the history of our country is is founded on like horrific battles for our freedom and our rights and our liberties yeah and I'm not discounting any of that. Um, I hope I'm not, I, I'm not intentionally doing that, but I, it was one specific interview that Tom did where he said he never really understood that until he was filming that scene on the beach. And it was like, he got to see something that uh, there is a lot of weight to it. Yeah. I think the, t- I mean, for me as a kid watching this and watching it now, the takeaway of, in terms of just the, the, the war portion is that it's sort of just eye opening because mm-hmm. that just seems so I mean outlandish to me like I can't even fathom that being real life yeah and so I think it's important to see that in its brutal uh, uncompromised this the, the just laid out that way because it, you have to you have to understand that this is where we were and we're not that far from it yeah, like that is very recent. Like my, my grandpa's passed, but like he's one generation removed from me of someone who had to do that. Um, so of course I have a, I mean, respect and sort of, I mean, a gratitude because I don't, I can't even comprehend what freedoms I have because of that. And yeah, right. I think I think I'm in the same boat of I have lots of questions of the rights and wrongs of everything, but at the same time I can't deny like, especially on Veterans Day. Like what I have, how I sit here and talk about myself in a dumb podcast. Uh, yeah, that we even are able yeah. to discuss things like this openly. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot behind all of those. 
It's loaded. It's tough. Big movie, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think the same thing with having, talking, just to jump back briefly to Upham killing that soldier. Mm-hmm. I think that is heartbreaking and fundamentally important because you're seeing this pure audience surrogate shift. And mm-hmm. I don't, I think to a degree, part of you, again, going back to that thing you said of when they burn the people and say, let them burn. Mm-hmm. The moment you kill him, you're sort of prepped, the movie sort of preps you to be like, yeah, he deserved, like he finally got him. Mm-hmm. But then then you think about yourself thinking about that and you're like, oh, no, I'm, I've, I've shifted as an audience member too. Yeah. It's very loaded. There's another movie I remember watching in high school. I think it's All's Quiet on the Western Front, which was a book and then a movie that's told from the French, like the side of the French. And the oh, really? whole time you're rooting for them. And you, we, I remember we wrote like a bunch of essays and stuff yeah. on it afterwards of like, you forget that they're not really our side, like our team. Yeah. Right? I, or if it wasn't the French, it was someone else. Um, but the, mov- the movie is told from the enemy's perspective, but you're still rooting for them and you want them to do well. The, in, in, in terms of World War II stuff, there's Clint Eastwood did um, two movies, Flags of Our Fathers and uh, Letters from Iwo Jima. Mm-hmm. And they're really interesting um, Flags of Our Fathers is, is less so. It's about Americans doing in the Pacific, but Letters from Iwo Jima is about the Japanese side, and it's a really interesting take on like an American's perspective of sort of the, the enemy yeah. uh, at the time. It's wild. There's some crazy... It's cr- in, in terms of just World War II, I mean, talk, it's Veterans Day weekend and talking about just the... I mean, pop culture and World War II... It's hard. I think it's hard for us being young to blend it as a real thing because in every medium it is oversaturated and used as. I mean, video games have been using it as the crux of these insanely popular shooters for years and years. I've played many, many of them where you're an American or any allied hero killing Germans, killing any, you know, all of the Axis. Uh, as like fun and sport in these yeah. games. And so it's sort of ingrained in pop culture where it's kind of hard to look back on and be like, but also this was real. So I guess out of all the other Tom movies that we've seen so far, it's almost been a whole year of us watching movies. A year of Tom. Um, where do you put this one? Where do you rank this one? I don't know. I think it ranks toward the top minus my problems with it. Um, it's such a weird movie to rank because it just feels like an important movie that does every does most everything so successfully in accomplishing how it sets out to like make you feel and remember and sort of educate mm-hmm. and I don't really know how to put a like a rating to it yeah it's a, I think it's a must you need to see it because it is going to make you feel something yeah it's rare that we watch one of these movies together that I kind of I find myself sitting and just like literally just sitting with it. I didn't feel this way about Forrest Gump, mm-hmm. which is a equally like lauded film. I mean, maybe not, but it's like this story is just has such real, um, like it's just so the gravity of it is so much real, more real than another fictional story. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I, I would say it's a 4.5 out of five for me. Okay. In, if I was putting a number to it, 
and that my my issues with it being as I spoke about uh, from like a filmmaking perspective, storytelling yeah. perspective, because I think. I mean, I could maybe nitpick stuff, but I don't think it warrants that because it's actual battle footage and what it sets out to accomplish. I think it, I mean, it makes me feel awful, but mm-hmm. also makes me think about a lot of things. And I think that's its purpose and it succeeds in that. Yeah. Um, and it's just like a value as a, t- a history tool now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we- I watched it in a history class in high school. That's pretty amazing when a movie can be used that way. I I saw, I read a thing about that when the movie came out, uh, people, you know, obviously went to see it. And a lot of veterans, some people, some couldn't finish it, couldn't watch it and had to leave. But others said it was, like, shockingly accurate. That it felt like being back there. Yeah, they opened up, like, a hotline or something yeah. for it. Yeah. So, in that regard, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's important. I think, we're, you know, however you feel you take away from it however you your thoughts on it and what you take away from it, i think it's important and is very valuable as a discussion tool yeah and specifically tom's performance one thing we didn't touch really on was we mentioned that a few of the characters have their moments where they break down and crying tom has one that is so impactful and is is such a signature of his abilities it's right after he's made this call to send his soldiers into a fight that he knows he's probably going to lose some of them, um, that to get rid of that one, like the outpost, fucking, the outpost. Yeah. That's what it is. And they've let the, do they already let the German go at this point or is this? Yes. It's like okay. all of that, I think. Or no, no. It was right before. It's like right after Wade has died Yeah. and it, he's just sitting there crying and it's, it's the same kind of crying that we see. Not the same, but like. That vulnerability that really only Tom is, seems to be capable of. There is something so raw about that. It's crushing to watch. It is because it's not. It, I mean, God, the kind of work that it must take to be able to inhabit a role that way. I, in the few like times I ever did like acting and stuff in high school, I mm-hmm. could never get to that level. And I'm not saying I'm like duh, like obviously I couldn't, but it, it's just like yeah. I mean, we, I, we talk about Tom's performances in these, but it really is just, this is a really different character because it's, yeah. he's having, he's a person having to be a different person playing another person. Sounds like a joke yeah. from Tropic Thunder, but it's just layer on layer on layer of a person on the edge of just mental collapse and physical collapses he has. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I get a five out of five. <laughs> like I do with yeah. most of my <laughs> Tom's in it, five out of five. Well, um, the good news is uh, something that we started, when we started this podcast almost a year ago, we had a goal of having people writing to us mm-hmm. um, about the movies. Yes. So that they could have a conversation with us and we could talk about it on the podcast. And it's been a while since somebody submitted something. That's fine. We figure other things to talk about. <laughs> but while I'll just get into it, in this segment called um, Talk Tom to Us, we received a reader, a uh, listener submission, friend of the podcast, Steve, who is your friend from, friend of college, from college, who uh, wrote a very nice message 
Um, the sweetest. So sweet. Um, I'm, I'm going to make you read it because I, I can't read about me. Okay. Well, I'm going to paraphrase a little, but okay. um, he starts off by congratulating you and Rachel, which is very kind. Thank you, Steve. It's very kind. Yeah. I'll um, to, I will text I will text you so you don't have to like listen to this and be like, there it is. Oh, God, this two-hour uh, long podcast. The, the <laughs> podcast is as long as the movie. Yeah. Um, but he's, he shares a little blurb about how he came into Saving Private Ryan. Um, and it's actually because of you, Daniel. Mm, no. So it says, um, it's actually all to Daniel's credit that I know of this film. We used to have these weekly movie nights in our dorm in Chicago, which at, uh, at a certain point became almost nightly. I can't say as to the occasion that we watched this film, but still being a budding cinephile, I had never seen it. We watched it. So that must be what you're talking about, where you said you like forced people to watch it. Oh, yeah. Typical Daniel. People were like, I haven't seen this. And I was like, well. What are you doing? It's Wednesday yeah. night. <laughs> I'm going to fucking I'll rock tell you. I'll, I remember the day we watched this. I'll tell you after. Okay. Um, he said, we watched it and my mind was blown away at the technique, the craftsmanship, and the level of acting going on here. I mean, it's 90s Spielberg. Here, I think Tom Hanks delivers one of his most solid dramatic performances, in my opinion. He brings all the grit you need in a military leader, but still brings enough compassion that you sympathize and understand with how far a person can change in these kinds of situations. In the Normandy scene, oh my God, don't get me started. I didn't know what I was getting myself into with that one, but oddly, that performance always got me the most emotional. Um, oh, the performance that always got me the most emotional was by Harrison Young, who plays the older Private Ryan at the front and tail ends of the film. Hot take. And yes, if you're wondering, I did have to search through the IMDb page uh, to find that guy's name. It's funny. Um, he says, you can tell with just maybe the first five minutes on screen, all of what this man has gone through and how emotional of a moment this is for him. And the wife he asks, the question he asks his wife at the end gets him hysterically crying every time. If it wasn't for Daniel, I would be a much different person today. And I think every night we got to spend together in Chicago. Oh my God. <laughs> That's so nice. That's the kindest thing. Daniel, are you crying? I'm kind of crying. <laughs> and then Steve said some very nice things that he's been listening since episode one. And uh, that's awesome. That's like all I've ever wanted. Steve, we love you. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. Um, yeah. I remember that night very vividly. Steve is a great friend of mine. We uh, went to school together and we lived in this um, dorm uh, building in downtown Chicago. And they had this multimedia room you could rent. And we had a thing in like, I think freshman year, like 2010 or something, uh, called Snowpocalypse. Oh. And it was like these six foot snow drifts that just barricaded us into the dorms. We couldn't leave. So you could rent this multimedia room for a few hours at a time. So I would just have all my friends go down and rent it uh, one after the other. And then we just have it for the whole day. And we would, I would make a, a little mini film festival. And we, funny enough, did a Tom Hanks festival. Shut up! And uh, we did... I planned it because a lot of people hadn't seen Saving Private Ryan. So we did Saving Private Ryan and then had a, a dinner break because you need a little yeah. time. And then we watched Big Oh, to get more okay. Tom, but <clears throat> to feel different after. Yeah. So yeah, I just forced friends. Because I was like, it's, it's hard. I, I remember telling them it's very hard to watch. And if you're question if you should watch it then like let's watch it with friends because then you have people to cry around yeah i remember when we were getting ready to watch this you said like we can watch it together and i was yeah. like i don't need to <laughs> i'm a grown-up <laughs> i deeply regret that now and just to to fall into steve talking about the front and back of the movie do work and i think from an emotional standpoint successfully in in making you feel something and i don't again that was my take and i don't think any other person's take is wrong to me that 
the message I my issue is not in the acting because I think the guy's performance is great. Right. It's in the the uh, the message. Yeah. I'm just like defending my thing. That's cool. You, I already explained it. Steve thinks you're wrong, so. Yeah, and Steve is right <laughs> in thinking I'm wrong. Um, yeah. um well, uh, that's great. Thank you for writing, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Um, so now on to our next segment. It's got a name. Uh, Hanks happenings. happenings. Oh my god, I already feel so much lighter. Oh my god. Okay, I have. I mean, we have. For once, we have like so many things. So I'm not going to talk about all the things I want to. Okay. Um, I think today I'm just going to focus with. Um, we got a DM on Instagram from a nice, uh, woman about a similar podcast to ours. Oh yes. <laughs> which is crazy. I mean, the universe is fucking nuts, because uh. A few years ago when you, I mean, it was like really like early on into when you and I were friends. I would say like four yeah, years ago. Yeah, we, we were working on the same job together. Yeah. I'd had this idea. We never did anything with it. It was just something yeah. we talked about. And it was doing a pod, a Tom Hanks, a fucking, I've done the words. <laughs> it was doing a show, a, po- a podcast about Tom Hanks mm-hmm. and whatever. We've talked about that process on this show before. But turns out all the way over in Canada, there was another person starting a very similar podcast that is, I mean, it's just like fucking nuts. Her show is called Talkin' Hanks. She watches Tom Hanks movies and uh, talks about them with comedians. So I think the show's a little bit lighter than ours. Um, obviously, you are smart, so <laughs> it's not just like, we got like a smart person and a dumbass talking about Tom. And uh, anyway, I, I told her I'd give us a shout out. It's crazy. She's going to start releasing some new episodes in... Um, December, I think, December of this year, 2018. And um, looking forward to checking those out. That's awesome. Yeah. More, I mean, great minds. It's crazy. It's crazy. That's great. And you can't have enough, Tom. Ashley Burdett is her name. Shout out to the Talkin' Hanks podcast. Uh, give her a shout. Give it a listen. Yes, Talkin' Hanks. Yeah. I, I assume it's probably on um, Apple Podcasts and all the other stuff. Probably all the same places where we are. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. Cool. I'm excited to hear the new episodes. So what's next for us, Daniel? What is next for us is a much lighter movie. Thank God. Our one year's coming up, and to celebrate our one year, we're watching You've Got Me. Oh, finally. Which is, I, I said it earlier, but it's a movie I have not seen in a long time. Yeah. Well, here's something I know is going to come up, so I want to put this question in the reader's mind, I mean the listener's mind, um, if you've made it this far into this extravagantly long episode um i everyone always wants to know which rom which tom hanks meg ryan rom-com is the best which one will be oh yeah obviously you guys know my opinion we'll talk about it on the next episode but i want to hear from you guys which is better you've got mail or sleepless in seattle fucking fight me or (laughs) joe or volcano which i think exists on a separate plane and i'm fine keeping that as a tertiary (laughs) thing but that's it's all um it's all its own deal so anyway um Look for that. Come in, a, come in your ears soon. Yeah. Around um, Thanksgiving. Yeah. And uh, I guess that that's about it for us. That wraps up our longest episode of Talking Tom, a Pot Hanks <laughs> Tomcast ever. Rightfully so. A lot to talk about. Yeah. And if you're interested in continuing the conversation, you can find us on our website, TalkinTom.com. That's talking without the G. We've also got Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, Facebook groups, other things probably and our handle is Pot Hanks Tomcast there you go um 
And that's it. That's my. it. Wow. <laughs> what a journey we've been on. <laughs> I'm exhausted. Uh, my name is Josie. I'm Daniel. Hey, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening.